2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. And don't forget, of course, today is the day that we've officially kicked off C103's Christmas Covert uh, competition, whereby every day this across this week, Monday to Friday, and then across the following week, Monday to Friday, you have a chance of winning a daily prize of a €500 Euro one for all voucher and the idea is you go away and spend it and we've got your Christmas coverage you can spend it on yourself you can spend it on your loved ones whatever you want to do uh, with it you can you certainly have a wonderful festive shopping spree now at 9 o'clock this morning a little over an hour ago Simon rang out the Christmas bells hopefully you counted how many bells were played they'll be done again at 2 o'clock with Nick and then Martina will do the final ringing of the bells at 5 you've got to add the three numbers together and then with be in with a chance to win. Okay, so the important times are nine, two, and five each day, and count the Christmas bells, add them all together, and text or WhatsApp. The total amount for your chance to win 500 euro, all for one voucher. C103's Christmas Covert with Dennis and Mary Ryan with the new 2020 C5 Aircross that's just arrived. They're open seven days, and you can find out more at Ryan's. .ie. Good luck with that. And we're keeping very festive on the programme across this week because the Everyman Theatre, last week we had the wonderful Jack join us in studio from Jack and the Beanstalk along with Molly Ward one of the dancers and they came in full costume and it was great fun and we felt very Christmassy and very uh, festive. Well right across this week we are giving you the chance to win a family pass every day this week to go to a very special performance of the pantomime on Wednesday, December the 18th because the reason it's so special is that before the pantomime itself we've got a VIP reception with face painters, musicians, there'll be selection boxes uh, for the kiddies uh, and that kicks off at 6 o'clock at the Everyman and then you go in and enjoy the pantomime. So we have a daily family pass to give away every day this week. Stay tuned. I will give you the clue what you're doing is you're guessing who climbs to the top of the beanstalk this Christmas you've got to work out it's another panto character that the panto characters are talking about okay it'll be all self-explanatory when we play it a little bit uh, later on and then you need to be called a ten right? that's your chance to win with the everyman Uh, you can check out everything to do with the pantomime by going to everymancork.com Now before I get to what's coming up on the programme this morning I'm interested in your thoughts please on a story that's coming out from England England from Cambridgeshire in England a rural area of England where farmers in that area have a problem with the littering not unlike any of our farmers living in rural areas here in Cork and this in particular is to do with the wrappings that come with takeaway food and drive-throughs. And we were only talking about drive-throughs last week on the programme with Councillor Dan Boyle of the Green Party suggesting that when future planning is put before the Council for for restaurants that they don't allow any more drive-throughs. Now he was talking about emissions from cars and obesity and getting people out to walk. But here's another problem that's come up from takeaways. People drive into the drive through the takeaway restaurant, they buy their food, they eat it in the car and then what do they do with it? You would like to think that responsible people will bring their wrappers and their empty coffee cup and their empty milkshake container. You'd like to think they bring it home with with them but unfortunately they don't. And because of it, farmers are absolutely... Sick to the teeth of having to collect the litter that's thrown out of cars. So these English farmers in Cambridgeshire have got together and they're calling for customers' number plates to be printed on takeaway bags just in the hope that it will stop them throwing the litter out of car windows. The farmers are arguing that they spend a significant amount of time every day removing litter from their land that have been thrown from car windows. These takeaway wrappers are dangerous to livestock as they can be ingested and they can go on to cause medical problems. They also pose a threat to wildlife, as well as obviously making the countryside look very, very untidy. So a group of farmers in Cambridgeshire have got together and they are trying to get customers to stop this constant tide of littering. So they say that the technology to put the car registration number on litter as the cars queue up to get to your drive-through takeaway, that technology is is already there. Now before people say you could just rip it off the bag, the plan would be that it would be printed in UV somewhere on the bag where people can't see it so that they can't rip it off and destroy it, that so they'd have it printed, so you'd see your number plate was was your car registration was on it, but somewhere else, on the packaging, it would be in UV, and you wouldn't know where. And the idea would be that in the very fact that. The, people, the customers buying it would know that there was a chance that they were going to get caught for littering. I think they were hoping that that would be enough to stop people throwing, throwing it out the window. So would you like to see something like that operate here? Do you think it could work? The idea being that anyone who goes through any kind of a drive-through takeaway, that you would have your car registration number clearly printed and also printed in UV. Do you think it would work? Do you think it might stop the number of people I don't know why people do it, but people have this thing about they'll eat their food and this you know, they've got to continue on with their journey. Can you not just wait until either your next stop until you get home? And throw away whatever food is left over, but more importantly, get rid of the packaging. And a lot of the packaging now is recyclable, so it's you know there's no excuse to be throwing it out the window. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 333 103. The future of Hospital is going to be discussed on the program uh, today because it got mentioned at last week's Southern Health Forum. And what actually got mentioned was. Do the HSC is there any chance that the HSC might consider reopening the A and E department? And I straight away will say you'll have people in West Cork say, Well, if you're gonna open the A and E in at Mallow General Hospital Then please, at the same time, reopen the A&E at Bantry Hospital. I mean, people have bemoaned the fact of both the A&E's closing. Now, what have been put in its place, the injury clinics and the assessment units, they are working extremely well. Anyone who has been to either Mallow or Bantry for a condition that can be dealt with at the units will tell you how efficient they are. You're in and out in a very short period of time. They really are a success story. But then the flip side and the downside, because they're operating so well, because everybody else then that needs to go to an A&E department or if you've got a complaint that can't be dealt with at Mallow or Bantry General Hospital, you then have to go to the city. Most people end up at the Cork University A&E Department and horror stories, absolute horror stories come out from the A&E Department at CUH and that's got nothing to do with the staff up there who are working as hard as they can. But I remember when we were doing the interviews and the campaigns were there to try to stop the A&E departments at Mallow and Bantry from closing. People were predicting that. People were saying, if you funnel everybody into one particular A&E department, that A&E department is going to become so overcrowded and exactly as was predicted has happened. So is it time to review? Is it time to just look at it again? Look at Mallow, look at Bantry and see, is it possible to put staff in place? to have an A&E uh, department even maybe a limited hours AE department anyway we'll discuss that on the programme uh, today we're also checking back in with Councillor Noel McCarthy who was one of our last interviews on Friday when we were getting calls in from people in the Formoy area to say there appeared to be some problem with a building site and it's the building of social houses in Formoy social houses that are desperately needed and we were trying to get to the bottom of what was going on because we had heard that the building site was going to be put into lockdown on Friday night and that all been Was going to stop, and that created a bit of worry amongst local people, particularly people who are on the housing list and are hoping that they are going to have a very happy Christmas this year because it looks like the keys to some of the houses are ready to be handed over in time for Christmas. So, we're going to get the very latest on that story. My Ross Rowing Club in Union Hall are going to be joining us. They appear to be in dispute with Cork County Council and it's over the building of a boat shed. So we're going to try and get to the bottom of it, try to work out exactly what is going on, how long it's been going on and what are the possible solutions to getting it sorted out because my Ross Rowing Club in Union Hall, probably one of the most successful rowing clubs in this country. So anything that can be done to continue the great work that they're doing at the rowing club, I think has uh, got to be welcomed. And then we'll meet and chat with the mother of a blind son, this is a family from Ballynoe near uh, Kana and she talks about the challenges facing her son. Now, her son is currently, I think he's a third year student in UCC. So he's come through primary school and secondary school. He's now gone into uh, college and he will eventually be finished in college and then will be hopefully trying to head, out, head into the big bad world of work. How difficult is that for a young man who's got a dual disability in that he is both deaf and blind, bearing in mind that deafblind is not recognised as a unique disability. It's a campaign that's been going on for many years now to try to get it recognised as a very unique uh, disability because dealing with somebody who's visually impaired uh, and then dealing with somebody who has a hearing loss, they're two very distinct disabilities. And, you know, people who are if I can say just blind can, look, can get looked after because there are services there the same for people who are hearing impaired and deaf there are services there for them but you put the two together it is, it's not classed as a unique disability it's not recognised as a unique disability even though it is a unique disability and the services are not in place so that obviously this young man will battle against the system because of that and it is Monday what does that mean? Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincolic will join us after half past twelve today answering all of your Nutritional questions, as always, you can get those into us throughout the morning. The listener wants to congratulate the Moran Abbey ladies on back to back senior All Ireland's a hard won victory. And I have to say, I caught the last 10 minutes, I was out, so I wasn't able to watch uh, or listen to all of the match on the radio, but I caught the last 10 minutes. And oh, my god. The heart was in my mouth. It really was exciting. So congratulations and well done to the morning Labby ladies and to their backroom uh, team. No doubt there was a lot of celebrations over the weekend for what was a great, great win. And our neighbours in Dunhamore, this texter said, also on their great win. So congratulations all round. Now, we've had a call in from Dan in Macroom who's a tad annoyed, because yesterday the road uh, around Kilmichael was closed uh, because the there was a commemoration, an annual commemoration that goes on there every year. And Dan yesterday wants to know, is that road officially closed in that the organisers of the commemoration, do they apply for official road closure because Dan, now whether Dan wasn't aware that the commemorations were going on yesterday or not, I'm assuming he wasn't because he ended up driving on the roads and then ended up coming to a standstill for nearly an hour because the commemoration was going on so all the traffic was being held back. But his argument was there was no signs to say the road was closed and then there was no diversions put in place. He said we couldn't go forward or go back. It was just a tailback of cars who obviously weren't aware the commemorations were going on and got caught while the road was closed off to facilitate the commemoration. Now he said in the end somebody I don't know if it was Dan himself or somebody in the queue of traffic decided to ring the Guardi and somebody from Ungardi yacona came out and they did manage to bring the cars through the roads. So they managed to get them out of there. But anyway, Dan says his day was really kind of ruined because he was held up for an hour. But he's what he is trying to find out, if anybody knows, is it an official road closure? And therefore, if it is an official road closure, why were diversions not put in place? And if it wasn't an official road closure, are they allowed the organisers of the Kilmichael commemoration? Are they allowed to just close the road? like that you know you're allowed to just say going to have this little bit of a commemoration it's going to go on for about an hour we'll just stop all the traffic on either side I I don't know if you're just allowed to do that I, I, I really don't anyway but is it one of these historical things because it's been going on for so long that people in the area and that's all well and good if you live in the area you know that that commemoration is going to be on on a particular Sunday so you're aware of it and you just avoid it unless you're going to the commemoration if anybody anybody involved in the organising of that commemoration, can fill us in, please, and let us know do you go for official road closure? And if so, why wasn't there diversions put in place? Because Dan in McCroom, not a happy camper today, and the fact that he was held up for over an hour yesterday, and it wasn't just him. 1850 333 103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103
3: 103. Egfoyle Mach Quintananea is Farlin. Shaw Eight C103 Air kirkeg. Kirk.
0: God only gave up his new skills to carve through the sea. When the sea has a tingled, he keeps loving his future. And he keeps everything, he keeps it to the sea. Unbelievable, and BenjaminOK which means three is more vile er do his own in the top before he becomes his coach. is has to glory to explore it. His new and old spread
3: is Gorkik C-103 A cork band once asked,
2: Where's me jumper?
3: Now C-103 is asking it too.
2: Where's me cork Simon Christmas
3: jumper? Every year, thousands of people here in Cork get together to help fight homelessness by wearing a Christmas jumper to work, school, or anywhere. Don't make a song and dance about it. Simply get your fundraising pack now at corksimon.ie. The Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day. It's time to wear your jumper. With C103.
4: This is the Cork Today Replay on C103. Listen to C103 on your phone. Download the C103 app today. Go to the Google Play Store for Android or iTunes for iPhone and search C103 Cork. Download it today and listen straight away to C103. Cork today on
2: C103. Call Patricia with your comment.
4: 1850 333 103.
2: Now, at last Thursday's meeting of the Regional Health Forum held at County Hall, Mallow based Councillor Pat Hayes asked that the HSE provide a meeting room for the families and carers of people living with dementia. Councillor Pat Hayes joins me to explain more. Good morning Chipat. you,
5: Pat. Hi, good morning. Uh, you're, you're
2: welcome. Why do you feel such a facility is important and is so needed?
5: Well, I suppose the reason I asked the question uh, was that a number of my constituents, you know, had asked me why was there not any A&E in Mallow. So I raised it, as, as, as you've mentioned, at our forum meeting. Um, Cork University Hospital, the emergency department, is, is, as we know, the busiest in the country. You know, and they see over 65,000 patients there um, a year. So there's a very dedicated and hardworking group of doctors there with nurses and, you know, healthcare staff who provide... A great service, you know, 24/7. However, you know, I felt Mallow and North Cork, you know, we have a large catchment area. I think there's over 50,000 people in the catchment, and we are the crossroads of Munster. We're very central, and the Cork Limerick Road, as we know, is a very busy route. Um, still waiting on our motorway. There's a constant, you know, number of serious uh, vehicle accidents on this road. Uh, also, and. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of with cock race, of course, Mallow, which is, you know, it's a it's a high risk sport. The National Hunt racing. You also have many rugby, ga, soccer, um, uh, sports games at weekends. So, look, if if you're unfortunate enough, Patricia, to be in a car accident, or if you suffer maybe a cardiac problem, and you know it could happen, it could happen in Charleville or Bodfish or Mallow or any of the surrounding, you, you know, towns and and, and villages around Mallow, you, you might be actually just five minutes from Mallow or ten minutes, but um, you'll have to be taken to you know Cuh, which is potentially you know fifty fifty minutes away, and um, you know forty to fifty minutes. Now, and I believe um, last Tuesday and Wednesday, you know there were forty two or forty one patients on trolleys in in the A&E at, at Cork University Hospital respectfully, you know, which, which was the third worst in the country. Now this, this is not a reflection on, on the hard-working staff that are there, but it is sheer numbers that impact on this. And, um, you know, I feel we have an amazing hospital here in Mallow, and, and I believe, you know, there should be scope to have some form of an emergency uh, department here. And, and I just might add, Mallow General Hospital, you know, provides an excellent service, and I must compliment the doctors and nurses there and the staff the excellent service they provide.
2: Yeah, and we have the urgent care centre and we have the local injury unit and it's the same in West Cork at Bantry General Hospital. They're both working really well. You'd have to agree with that. And anyone who's been, has had to go there has all the the glowing recommendations for them.
5: Absolutely. And and I would have the same sentiments. Um, Absolutely working really well. Uh, Fantastic facility. Unfortunately, in our local injury you know in our urgent care centers it, they don't treat we'll say if you've had a road traffic accident now they, they wouldn't tra- they wouldn't treat you know head 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 injury um you know chest pain you know if you had neck or back pain so if you present we' will say with a fracture just say if you you think you have a broken arm or broken finger well then if you have a pain in your head well then they won't treat you. They
2: can't it, treat you. Yeah, they can, yeah. can't. So, treat you, 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 a, so you asked the question, has the HSC any plans to reopen the Accident and Emergency Department at Mallow General Hospital? What answer did you get?
5: They, they have no immediate plans or there's no plans to reopen the accident Emergency. Um, they do have plans to increase the number of surgeries that will take place in Mallow. Uh, in 2020 they said if it, they are going to increase the surgeries taking place there Um they feel that cuh is the best place to treat uh accident emergency you know they have very specialized uh, staff uh, based in in cuh which can deal with with these um you know with these serious injuries um however you know if if I suppose. Look, the 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 urgent care centre was built at a cost of 4.5 million, and um, while you know, while having an urgent care centre in Mallow, you know, it secures the future of the hospital, and it's a very modern hospital, and and it does play a kind of a central role in the delivery of healthcare for the region. But you know, I do feel we we could be making more use of it, and you know, even for we we'll say accidents and emergencies that not might might be as serious as, you know, the, the ones that we've been spoke, spoken about, but that um, we could treat some, some of the minor ones. Yeah, in, in it, it has
2: a role to play because do you, I, I'm assuming you would meet with people who absolutely live in fear of ever having to go to CUH. And that's not taken away from the great work no. that goes on in CUH, but no. people live in no. fear of ending up in the emergency department because of the overcrowding there.
5: They are and, you know, it's difficult for the people working there and, you know, if, if you're on a trolley for 10, 12, 14 hours and, um, you know, and you have a hospital in Mallow where maybe some of those minor ones, they could have been moved to Mallow, um, it would alleviate, I feel, alleviate a lot of the pressure that's on the, these major hospitals.
2: Yeah, Heidi in West Cork says, Patricia, your speaker, Our speaker this morning is uh, North Cork Councillor uh, Pat Hayes. Um, what Pat Hayes is saying about CUH is correct and why local hospitals don't have an A&E department. They took them away from local hospitals without looking at the bigger picture and taking into the account the amount of time that can be lost because of travelling to actually physically get you to the A&E uh, department. OK. And then, uh, Pat, just um, the the other issue that you raised about the opening of the meeting room for families and carers yeah. of people living with dementia. You got some good news on that.
5: I did. And, you know, they there's they, 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 a very positive response there and they will um, facilitate, you know, a meeting room in, in I think, just Mallow Primary Health Care, that's to be confirmed. But there's they, a positive response so that people... You know, uh, families uh, with, with with people who suffer from, you know, dementia and and so on. Have, we'll have could meet once a week. You know, have a place where they could just sit down and chat amongst themselves for an hour. They did try various places, you know, and they were they were unsuccessful in securing a room. So. I, I, it's a very positive response there from, from...
2: Well done, well done. And I think important for people to meet with others who are in the same boat as them or maybe further down the road they can offer advice to each other. It's 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 badly needed.
5: It is badly needed because not always a lot of people feel or if, you, if you're if you dealing with kind of public bodies a lot of, if, if they say, look, it's up on their website or it's up on... But, you know, a lot of people still don't um, feel comfortable accessing information off of websites and so on. So um, you know, having meeting your own peers and people that are in a similar situation as yourself, uh, it gives you you know a great opportunity to garner more information um, on on a one you know on a in a group or in a one-to-one. Okay, and when, when
2: when do you hope that that will be up and running?
5: Day, hopefully early early in the new year
2: Okay let us know we'll be really too glad to give it a that mention is. and just very finally there's a text in that you may be able to answer it's from Mary saying uh, Hi uh, Mallow Castle and the surrounding air surrounds are being renovated which is absolutely great news for Mallow but the Spa Road is in a very bad state the surface is awful from the town Past Munster Waste and beyond, traffic on this road is extremely busy with huge lorries, and it is a very narrow road. Malo so desperately needs a bypass, but in the meantime, is there anything that the councillors can do for that uh, roads, that surface of road uh, around by the spa and leading into the spa? I,
5: I have actually raised that issue because it had been brought to my attention. Now I have a motion on with our roads at our next Northern uh, Committee meeting, which I'm chair, which is coming up. Um, that would be on the agenda, that road. So hopefully we can get progress on that. Okay. And it, is, it is in a terrible state. It okay. is, definitely. You are
2: You are very aware of it, says you. I am
5: very <laughs> <Okay>. aware.
2: <laughs> Alright, you're, you're on that road enough. Alright, Pat, okay. listen, I'll let you go because I know you've got All a right. meeting at 11. I appreciate yeah. you taking time out to talk. Good morning. Thanks very much. Uh, that is uh, North Cork Councillor uh, Pat Hayes and uh, the very noisy in the background, but he was joining us from County Hall because there is a council meeting this morning. So we we appreciate him chatting with us. No matter where I wander, I'm still
3: haunted Christy by your Moore name. live at the Marquee Saturday, June 27th The wise men came stern and strict and brought the order to evict. Tickets from 36.50 go on sale this Wednesday at 10 a.m. May be subject to fees. Stay on, stay on. Presented by Aiken Promotions in association with the Irish Independent and C103.
4: Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with
2: your comment. 0862103103. At the close of the programme last Friday, we heard from a listener who had concerns about the new housing development in Femoy with the rumour that the building site was to be locked up due to a problem between the council and the developer. Councillor Noel McCarthy, who had joined us on the programme, promised to look into the issue further and uh, he joins us with the latest <laughs> and an update on this. Good morning to Good morning. Uh, Now, and just to let listeners, the uh, the estate is Cranard, isn't that's the name the name of the estate? And let's get it out there first of all. This the estate isn't locked up.
6: No, the estate isn't locked up. I actually drove, I met the housing executive on Friday and I discussed the issue with them. And I also drove up to this site myself on Friday evening and on Saturday morning, and I saw people working there. No, not many, and I did check it out, but there is a problem, There, no doubt there is a problem on the site. But when I spoke to the housing executive on Friday, uh, Patricia, they told me that if there is an issue there, they weren't aware of it. And if there is an issue there, it's between the developer and the contractor. Their contract, the housing is contract is or the housing team here in County Hall. Their contract is with the developer and not with the contractor.
2: So the council pay the developer, deal only with the developer, and then it's up to the developer to bring in whatever builders he or she wants to get the work done.
6: Exactly, exactly. Okay, no, so no, we have some concerns.
2: We have some problem between. Is it to do with money? Do you know? Well,
6: without speculating and not knowing, but obviously there's some problem there. Maybe there's maybe a hold-up with finance or something like that, but hopefully it will be solved. Now, as I did say, I did speak to the housing executive on it. They were making contact on Friday and today on Monday. I'm in County Hall again today. And I will be checking it out again today. But they were making contact with the developer to find out what the issues are because they have concerns as well.
2: Because, because we, we had calls in from some the wives of some of the workers to say that they were being left, let go, laid off on Friday. It, it,
6: I did find out that myself over the weekend as well, that there was some people laid off, and that's very, very upsetting, I can imagine, for the, for the people, that, the wives of the people, that, of the people that were working there and their families just before Christmas, and there is a concern there, no doubt about that. But I did check it on Saturday morning again, for sure there was, no not many, as I say, I, I counted five or six workers on site, so that I thought that was a good sign. Hopefully this is only a small problem that can be rectified, and hopefully all these contractors will be back to full work again. Very because short. we,
2: when we were talking to you on Friday, I mean, you have great hopes of houses, the keys to houses being handed out before Christmas.
6: Yes, and I, and I did check into that with the executive again. There is four 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 of the 17 completely finished and they will be handed over and the other 13 are to follow very shortly. Now, we were told to be done before Christmas, but obviously it might be a delay in that note. But I'm very confident that seven, them 17 houses will be finished very, very shortly for, for people to get the keys and move in there. And the other contracts. Hopefully, when, if this parliament is solved, we'll get back on track. Because we were told last month, Patricia, that this full completion of the 52 houses would be finished maybe by the, uh, April, May next year, 2020. Yeah, but if so, there's
2: if there's people have been laid off and there isn't full workers that, that on the call. site. That's, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's already no, concerned that 17 houses is now, instead of 17 families moving in for Christmas, we now only have four. That's hugely that's it, disappointing, Noel.
6: That's very, very disappointing. And and again, we have a municipal meeting tomorrow. When I know some of my colleagues are, are on this issue as well because they were contacted on Friday as well. So I know we have a municipal meeting tomorrow in Mitchellstown. And I know I will be raising it with the municipal authority there that we write to the executive now and get an update on the situation. And be kept informed going forward now. Because hopefully this is only a small issue and can be rectified straight away. If it is a finance issue and there is even four houses ready to be handed over... Hopefully that will be money that the council will pay the developer, and then everything else will go forward from there. I'm hoping that is the case. Trish.
2: Okay, and uh, okay, and there's four, and there's 17 that, as you say, we are very. The other 13 very, very close to being yes. finished. And yes. then how many in the next tranche? Well,
6: then, we have 15 in total. I think it's 35 then would be there. 35. 35,
2: yeah, 35, okay. 35, OK. Because yeah. you would have, you, how many would you have in a housing list in Formoy?
6: Oh, my God, between the housing list in Formoy and surrounding, our whole are area, suppose, 400 at least on the list. This is a huge development because, as I say, on the other side of town and the south side of town, we have 46. So you can imagine the good news from people that all these uh, 98 houses will be finished before next summer. This, any delay would be a huge concern to people on the
2: housing list. There's a huge... Yeah, plan. and you know, in fairness, the government, I, I, they get knocked enough that they're not dealing with the housing crisis. So when there's developments like this, and they're, you know, they're fine-sized developments. That's not just one or two odd houses, like 35 and 47 odd houses. Like, they're, they're chunky developments. Uh, they, but we don't want anything that's going to stop those houses no, being we- built.
6: You're did right, Patricia. We need to make sure and I know my colleagues and myself and all public in out in our area will be making sure that this development will will not lose any time here because People are so excited. I've been on the list for a long period of time. I spoke to one lady this morning. Her rent was raised up to 1000 a month. They just, with one wage coming in, and I could see by her voice, and it was upsetting to listen to her, how much she's worried. And this development, she's on the housing list for about five or six years. She's hopeful of getting one of these houses. So I need to people like this is a huge upset, even listening to this this morning. I can imagine how they feel. Okay,
2: well, well keep us in, keep us informed. Uh, no, because would you have families living in emergency accommodation in Vermoy? I have, I have. You do, yeah. Some people, not
6: many, but there is. And some people, even the threat of eviction, it's so upsetting for them. And it's, it's my biggest problem as a counselor is listening to people with the housing issue is a huge, huge problem. Not just for me, but for all publics, in all areas, Patricia, in okay. all areas.
2: Yeah. OK, all right. We'll let you get, because you're going to that meeting as well. Um, the, the, yeah. So we'll let you go to it, Noel. I appreciate you taking time. Thank you for that. Thank and uh, bye bye. Thank Thanks uh, for joining us. That is Councillor Noel uh, McCarthy. So there is, there does appear to be some kind of an issue that hopefully will get sorted out. I mean, ASAP, I will be talking about that getting sorted out this week and those builders that were laid off on Friday, get them back on the site, get those houses finished because there was a sense of excitement that 17 families, and I know people say, oh, it's dropped in the ocean, but like, look, let's celebrate the if there was 17 families. What a fantastic Christmas present they would get. That 17 has now gone down to four. Doesn't look like the other 13 and they're very close to being finished. So those builders that they signed off and let go, on Friday, if they had been kept on, they could have finished off the 13 houses and we would have had 17 families in the Formoy area heading into their forever homes for Christmas, but that that's not going to happen. And then the, knock, the fear is the knock on the other houses, it's 35 in total in that development, are they all going to be uh, delayed now? And we can't have any more of these delays. We need the houses. We need them built as quickly as possible. We need them up to the highest possible standard. I don't want any shoddy workmanship going on here that afterwards then we have to pick up the pieces on. But the families that are living either in emergency accommodation or I'm also acutely aware of families who are paying huge sums in rent. The rent is gone so astronomically high for families. They are really struggling just to pay the rent, just to keep the roof uh, over their heads. And for those families, besides getting a home that will be their home forever. There's also the other side of it that they're suddenly not paying huge sums of money in rent. So suddenly they have a lot more money coming into their house to, to buy, not even the luxuries, to buy the essentials. So th- this, is a, this is such a win-win for the families that get the keys to these houses. So please God and hopefully whatever is going on between the developer and the contractor that it's only a minor thing and they c- get sorted quickly get the workers back on the site get those houses built and get those families into those uh, houses quickly. Tim reacting to Don from McCroom who got caught up yesterday in traffic delays because the Kilmichael ambush was on there was cars going nowhere because while the commemoration ceremony was going on and Don was wondering uh who's closing the road is an official road closure and if so surely that there should be some kind of traffic diversions and signs in place he said there was absolutely no signs and he became upon it and got caught up in the traffic delays not realising the road had been closed Tim says I would agree with Don there should be advance notice of road uh, closures and there should also be diversions in place if possible the Kilmichael ambush was a significant event in the War of Independence says our Tim the commemoration takes place on the last Sunday of November generally speaking I think it's always the last Sunday of November I actually think you're right on that it's not generally it is always the last Sunday anyway next year It's going to be the 90th anniversary of that ambush. So you would imagine uh, that it is going to be even a bigger commemoration. But Tim thinks the cross Barry was a more heroic event, says uh, Tim. And somebody else says that surely for road closure, there has to be signs put up and there has to be diversions. And is wondering if there is there. Obviously, says another texter, there mustn't be official road closure they're just deciding to do it themselves and it could be one of those things because it's been going on for nearly 90 years they just do it every year and that it isn't official road closures I'm not saying that that that's the way it should be but people are of the feeling that that's what is actually going on. 1850 333 We're going to take a break. We've news at 11 on the way.
3: There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. OK. So you
4: can just follow me. Try it now. Try it
3: now. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Thank you to Neil in West Cork who has sent us a text alerting us to a scam and I'll just check with John Paul. I haven't heard of this scam before and John Paul says he hasn't uh, either. He said he's just had a call from a lady claiming to be from Amazon saying thirty nine ninety nine was going to be deducted from Neil's bank account. Uh, Neil said she asked me to press one on my keypad. I've never had any dealings with Amazon and they've never contacted me before so I hung up thinking this is probably a scam. What do you think? Sorry for bothering you, it says Neil in West Cork, you're never bothering us Neil, particularly when you're alerting us to something like this. So a quick Google search shows me that this originated in the United Kingdom. It's obviously worked its way over here to Ireland. The first recording I can see of it was in last month, around the 16th of October they started talking in the United Kingdom about an automated scam call impersonating Amazon Prime Obviously, that's exactly what's happened to Neil. Telling victims that their subscription will be renewed for thirty nine ninety nine, uh, and the money's going to be deducted from your account and all of that, and you need to press one and and do all of the usuals, and it it, it it's asking you to press one for you to speak to an account manager. Uh, anyway, it's a scam call, so just please ignore it. But it is a new one. It is certainly a new one, and it's the first we've heard of it surfacing here. In Cork, I don't know if other parts of Ireland have been hit as well. So, thank you to Neil for that. If you get a call from Amazon, $10.39.99 is going to be deducted from your bank account. And a lot of people, it was easy for Neil to work out that it was a scam when he said no dealings with Amazon, but lots of other people have dealings with Amazon and may get duped into thinking this is for real and oh I need to I owe this money or this is to do with renewing my account whatever it is. So please be aware of that getting any kind of calls out of the blue like that from Amazon they are scam uh, calls. Mary was on to say Patricia too was held up in Kilmichael yesterday for around an hour and yes your previous caller was right there was no road closure signs to be seen says uh, Mary and it's okay for people who know that the Kilmichael ambush commemoration happens on the last Sunday of November but if you're not living in the area and you're not aware of that then you're going to get caught if you end up driving into a road that's closed and is going to be closed for about an hour and I think Donna McCroom who started this conversation this morning, was just annoyed because he said he got caught in the traffic, you couldn't go forward and you couldn't go back. Rose it to an hour, nobody was able to turn around and everyone was just like Mary as well, sitting there for an hour, which isn't isn't a nice thing. And it wasn't the best of days either. And if you're in a rush or in a hurry, are you trying to make an appointment? Are you have things to be doing? The frustration just gets absolutely worse. As I say, somebody did call the guardie and they did come out and did their best best but certainly people were delayed for at least an hour and we still can't find out if that road closure was official and if it was official, then why wasn't there signs up and why wasn't there detour? Why wasn't there a detour put in place? Because even if you're detoured and it takes you out of your way, I might add an extra 15 minutes. I think most of us, once we're moving, don't seem to mind you know you might be huffing and puffing about the detour thinking for God's sake I have to go around the houses to get to where I want to go but it's when you're stuck in traffic and going nowhere certainly for me that frustrates me I prefer that once the engine is running and I'm moving I'll put up with being delayed but it's that stuck in traffic going nowhere I think that certainly frustrates me and I think frustrates a lot of other people Thank you for your text, Mary, to 0862-103-103. Can I just give a mention, because this kind of ties in with when I was talking in the last hour with Councillor Noel McCarthy from Fomoy, who was talking about the delays in handing getting those social houses finished and getting them out to people who are on the council housing list or people who are living in emergency accommodation. And I mentioned, you know, for people who are living in private Renting a private house for many of them they're paying huge sums of money on rent and for a lot of the families they literally are scraping the rent money together every month and they will go without food in order to make sure that the rent is paid because they're trying to keep the roof over their heads and if they have children they are desperate to keep that roof over their heads and it is putting families under a huge amount of strain and today in The Echo there is a really heartfelt piece written by Sarah Hogan who was chatting with a couple who go into penny dinners and they bring home dinners from the soup kitchen and they bring them home pretending to their children that they've cooked them at home because they're embarrassed about the stigma of poverty and the article talks about a couple, now they give their names as John and Martha, which obviously to protect John and Martha is not their real names. And John and Martha seemingly make a daily trip to Cork Penny Dinners while their children are at school. Now they have their own lunch there and then they, do, they take takeaway dinners, bring them home, get them onto their own plates and then the children come in from school and it looks like Mammy and Daddy have uh, cooked dinner. Now the reason that both John and Martha go into Penny Dinners every day Uh, is that John unfortunately lost his job and then Martha had to give up her job because she suffers from severe epilepsy. And they are now in that dreadful situation where they are trying to keep the roof over their head. So, and I quote, Martha says, the important thing is that we have our own home. We're trying to count our blessings as much as possible, but they are doing everything to pay the rent. So they're putting everything they have into paying uh, the rent and what I thought was lovely about this particular article was Martha was explaining to Sarah the journalist that there was a time when herself and John would have been donating to homeless charities and would have been donating to somebody like Cork Penny Dinners and now they find themselves in the situation that they have to use the service. She said it is a gut-wrenching feeling. Christmas is coming up, which makes things even harder. She said her eldest is 16 and there is, so there's no such thing as, you know, a 16-year-old getting a dolly and something cheap uh, for Christmas. We're hoping, she said, that my parents might be able to help fill, fill the gap. So I haven't been able to ask them, That's her parents for help yet. I come from a working family, so it will be very difficult to tell them about the situation we find ourselves in. Now she does admit she said, I suppose it's a pride thing. She said, Growing up I never went without and it is so hard. And I know, you know, people will say, oh pride comes before before a fall, but when you're in that situation, you don't want to admit to people just how hard it is. And you know, they're trying to hide things from the children. And that's why, you know, pretending that these dinners, they've cooked them at home, that they haven't got them from a charity, they're hiding all that from them. Even when they're in if they're in town with the children, somebody will sneak off maybe to go down to Penny Dinners to get what they need. But they're just they don't want the children to know how poor they are because, you know, she says there is a stigma attached to poverty. So they're trying to keep that from their own children. But they also look like they're keeping it from their own family. And, you know, I'm sure if her parents knew or, you know, if she's got other brothers and sisters who maybe are in a slightly financial, better financial situation, they'd only be too willing. Anyone would be, would be only too willing to help out, particularly when when it's our own. But it's that sense of pride of actually admitting that you've got a problem, you know, through no fault of their own, can I say, because I know often coming up to, usually at this time, coming up to Christmas, we would hear from People who would contact us here to see if we could be of any help or if we would know anywhere that they would go for help and it would be people like John and Martha in a situation like that it's not that they're drinking all the money or smoking all the money or gambling all the money away they literally are she says they both live on social welfare but she said the bulk of the social welfare goes towards paying the rent and at the end of the week they have very little left obviously they've got to pay the electricity and what kind of heating they have in the house and the only thing that they can save on is food so when all the bills are paid there's no money left for food. The children still have to be fed. So thank God, thank God for Katrina Toomey and uh, Penny Dinners. But families like that, you know, and we would hear stories like that, as I say, particularly up to Christmas, not as dire, I think as John and Martha's story. But we would often say to them, have you contacted your local society, St Vincent de Paul, who do amazing work, particularly at this time of year? And people would say, oh, St Vincent de Paul are for much poorer people. Than, than we I don't know how many times I've heard that you know we're, we, we wouldn't be Vincent de Paul clients it's for very poor people so Vincent de Paul is there for anybody that needs the help and I know there is a sense of pride and it is very difficult when you have never been without you've never gone without yourself you've never gone without when you were a child growing up you're in a situation where you used to donate to charities very hard then to suddenly knock on that charity's door and say I now need uh, a bit of a bit of help and I don't know what the solution is I don't know how you get people to swallow that pride and say you know don't worry about it this is not your fault this is not of your making but please reach out because help is available it really is it's gut-wrenching it's gut-wrenching and my heart goes out to that couple uh, as I say it's just a piece that I saw happened to see in the Echo today And then having spoken to Noel McCarthy and he's talking to families who are desperately waiting on those social housing to be finished and to be hopefully allocated, giving the keys to one of the houses so they get out of that situation, they're not paying the huge high rents, then they can move into a house, they can pay the bills, they can afford to pay the bills and they will have money left at the end of the week to buy food and to be able to feed their children and maybe put a bit away, have a bit of savings and be able to buy treats for their children at Christmas uh, as well. There are families, honest to God, the anxiety that some families are going through. Actually, Martha in that piece said that she, you know, she talks about how soul destroying the whole thing is and that the anxiety, she said, is horrible. And I quote, every morning you wake with this sick feeling in your stomach. Just that, and that, trying to live with that anxiety, just not not good. And bless her heart, she's suffering from severe epilepsy as well. She doesn't have full health. That's a tough, tough journey. 1850 333 103, John Paul takes your calls. Let's go to something lighter and offer words of congratulations here. Text in to say, Hi, Patricia. I was wondering if you give a shout out, please, to Mallows Derek but- Butler. And he's Drina Navigator, Dennis Donovan. They won the Midland Navigation Trial. That was held on Saturday night in Drum Shambo in County Leitrim. Congratulations and well done. So that's... Derek Butler from Mallow Andrina's, Dennis Donovan congratulations guys on your win and another text says, good morning Patricia it a lovely weekend I did the turning on of the lights in Bandon Town was cancelled yesterday and that was due to the weather conditions and thank God for that because it was a terrible day but Patricia I hope the business people of Mallow of Bandon will take full advantage of next Sunday when the lights are being turned on and that all the shops and all of the restaurants will be open next Sunday if they want to keep shoppers in town the flow of traffic from Cork coming towards Bandon yesterday evening was phenomenal I'm sure some of those people would have stayed in Bandon if the shops were open thanking you Patricia and we're always encouraging and asking people to shop local and to do you know if you can't do all just even if a percentage of your money you give it to the local shops but the listener is right in order to spend it in the local shops the local shops have to be opened and I don't know I was certainly, I was in Clonmel, I was a visiting family in Clonmel uh, yesterday and yes, Sunday afternoon, it seemed to be, certainly on the main street, all of the smaller shops that don't usually open on Sundays, they certainly were open yesterday. I would have thought that yesterday would have been the first of the Sunday shops. I mean, a lot of the smaller shops, they can't afford to open every Sunday and if there isn't footfall to pay staff to open You know, I can see the reason why the smaller shops close, but certainly in the run up to Christmas, there is a buzz around places when all of the shops are open. So hopefully for the next however many is there, three, four Sundays left between now and Christmas, I'm assuming all of those smaller shops will be open. And please do your bit when you are shopping locally particularly to go into some of the smaller independent shops your money goes a lot further in the local community shopping in those kind of stores 1850 333 103 lines open
4: C103 Jobs
3: with Hewitt College now enrolling for Christmas junior and leaving certificate revision courses your success is built on their experience see hewittcollege.ie
2: caregivers are required for ovens Balancholic Douglas and Cork City areas While a person is wanted for drafting and CAD drawings, that's for an engineering company in the North Cork area. A farm worker is required for an immediate start that's on a modern dairy farm in Mallow. And a secretary wanted for a busy quarry in care in County Tipperary. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. For C103
4: photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment.
2: 1850
4: 333 103.
2: According to a story in this week's Southern Star newspaper, members of the hugely successful My Ross Rowing Club in Union Hall are outraged that a parked Cork County Council truck prevented them from accessing the water for training. Now joining me with more from the Rowing Club is Mike O'Mahony, who is a club member but he's also the former chairman of the South West Rowing Association. Good morning to you, Mike.
7: Good
2: morning. Uh, You're welcome. Now from what I can gather, this dispute is all to do with a planning application to build a boat shed by my Ross Rowing Club. Can you tell us the background to it?
8: Yeah, um... Down here in Union Hall, the only access to the water is a slip on the, at the end of the pier. And just above that, at the top of the slip between what's called the council compound and the water, we have a little strip of ground. And outside of that is what's called foreshore. Yeah. But we, five, nearly five years ago, we went for a planning application for just a boat shed, just for storing our boats. And we had our own ground, and we needed the foreshore. We got a letter from the council that they'd give us the foreshore, no problem. And we applied for planning, got full planning permission. And when it went to getting the foreshore, we can't get it from them. Now, we've been using the foreshore for access to other boats with 25 years. And all we want to do is build our shed. We bought two what are called offshore boats on the strength of having a shed that we could store them in there. There's 25,000 worth out under the weather every day, 24 hours a day, because we have no place to store them. And they
2: need to be in a shed.
8: They need to be in a shed, like you've... It's fiberglass.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah,
8: yeah. You know, a pair of oars is 500 but, 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 but I'm a bit...
2: It all seems confusing. You got the planning from Cork County Council.
8: Yeah, full planning.
2: And then it's, uh, has somebody changed their mind?
8: That's what it seems to be. We just can't... We can't even get to talk to anyone in the council about it, Like, right? uh, You know, it's, it's outrageous. Uh, they gave us a letter that we could have the foreshore lease from them. They have, they have a lease from the Department of the Marine. It's actually a sublease we were looking for. And we just can't get in contact with anyone They're stopping the whole lot.
2: And the building of the boat shed, it's not going to in any way interfere with the work of the council yard?
8: Nothing at all, no. It's, it's out of the way completely. Like, it's it can't be seen from the road or a bit. It's under the road. Um, like, there's no reason at all why... You couldn't put a shed there
2: and then the council parked the truck now it wasn't the weekend just gone by it was the previous weekend
8: Ex- exactly here again this step after again last Friday here a different lorry again
2: what, uh, why why do you think they're doing that
8: I think it's it's something to do with they're, they're just trying to put us out completely or something I don't know like it'
2: but was there a rumor going around that somebody was going to go in and, and lay a concrete base for the shed
8: but sure they're saying that? But sure, you couldn't go doing that. Like, did as if you could do that over the weekend. Like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And, you know, there, know? and there, and there was no talk of anybody in the club doing that.
8: No, no, we wouldn't thought. That's like that's that's just outrageous propaganda from them. I think.
2: And have they come back and said the usual? Oh, it's on health and safety grounds, which is the usual oh, that, excuse that, that, that's, that's
8: the used. The usual thing, yeah. That's and that's that's what they're saying. But like. The fishermen have all said that there's there's no issue with health and safety here. Um, members of our club and the fishermen met with the council and then the health and safety authority and re- drew up a plan for the pier. And everybody was happy with it, which would facilitate our shade. And, like, uh, we just don't know. Like, we're we're banging our head against the brick wall to be
2: honest. and also I think you made an important point when you said you've been accessing it for the last 25 years and there hasn't been a health and safety issue
8: that's right yeah. it's actually like we've actually tidied it up because it was more like a dump we used to be going in and out through for a long time but no it's, it's like we tidied it up because of the two offshore boards you know we had to have a flat surface for them so we tidied up our piece and it's it looks well now, like.
2: And is the majority of your training done on the weekends?
8: At this time of the year, it's the only time, like, with the kids in school and stuff. Yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, you know, to get stuck so early. It's basically a Sunday morning just to keep them going over the winter.
2: So did you, were you not able to train this weekend again?
8: The last two weekends, we had, we had under 16 girls who were planning on starting in this... This offshore is a new type of roil for us. Um, We've done very well in it. We had a crew that represented Ireland in Hong Kong a couple of weeks ago. I
2: saw that. I saw that. Like, Um, you're a very successful club, let's be honest.
8: That's right, yeah. But, like, the the kids wanted to start training and, like, with all the talk about mental health in in kids and obesity.
2: Absolutely.
8: Nothing better than being out on the water.
2: And, and we are we're constantly going on about young people and trying to keep young people engaged in sport. And here's a wonderful facility that should be on your doorstep, and it's almost like you're getting blocked. That's where
8: we're being prevented completely, like. Right?
2: Stay there because Richie Brown is on the other line, who you know, because Richie is a club member. Uh, Richie, I believe you were with the club since 1982.
7: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah.
2: So you're you're a long while. Have you any understanding of why? the council are doing what they're doing?
7: No, like Mike said, um, they're just banging on about health and safety, but there's never been an issue with our club, we have our own insurance, and uh, we've been using this site, as Mike was saying, for 25 years, um, you know, incident-free, so I, I, I can understand it, when they when they were willing to grant full plan, planning permission five years ago, um, there was no talk of health and safety, or no issue with it then, and now that's all they can bang on about I, I don't know it's a, it's a difficult one to understand to be honest
2: and by the way we have in case people are thinking this is a very one-sided interview we have c- contacted uh, Cork County Council we are awaiting a, a response and if we get a response uh, we certainly will bring it to you and have yeah. you Richie have you tried sitting down let's get everybody around the table and let's find out what are the problems have you tried sitting down with Cork County Council
7: Myself and Ty Bergen, who is our treasurer, uh, sat down this time last year with uh, Mac Darrow, Hickey and in the House of Office in Canna-Kilty. And uh, he promised us that he'd have a decision within two weeks. That's twelve months ago. And he has refused to meet us on several times. We've we've sent emails looking for meetings. There there's been no meeting forthcoming.
2: Have you tried um, bringing any of the elected representatives in on it? Any councillors?
7: All the local representatives have been contacted it in the past, in the last 12 months, especially since we've been putting pressure on to build our side. And uh, uh, they all seem willing to, to do their bit. And, like, they were able to get the truck shifted now last weekend on the Monday morning. But, I mean, like, our our, our training day was finished. Um, Like, we two crews who had recently participated in the World Championships, um, ready to go on the water again last Sunday morning and couldn't go to training. Um, That's
2: really like, disappointing.
7: Ah, oh, it's ridiculous, and and two underage crews wanting to start and couldn't get out. I mean, there's a bit of hype around over rowing at the moment. Again, I know that the have done some fantastic work in the last few years and keeping rowing club. But I mean, this is our section of the offshore, and uh, we're 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 good at what we do, and we'd like to continue doing it.
2: And you have the money and everything to build this yet? Yeah, all yeah, ready yeah, to go. Ready.
7: We raised money. We, like, yeah, geez. we wouldn't. You know, we 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 raised money. Our our local community is very good sporters, and uh, our club members are very good in in gathering money around the place. And yeah, we have money ready to go.
2: It's it's just and as Mike was in, I was explaining, the boats are have been purchased and they're out now in all weather conditions. That they don't need that they shouldn't be.
7: Yeah, our, our racing quad is worth fifteen thousand. One boat alone is worth fifteen thousand. That's without yours. There's another two thousand euros worth of ores. They're like they're carbon fiber ores, and they're out in the sun. And the sun is very damaging to that material. It, it it makes it more brittle. And like instead of getting maybe ten years out of sets of ores, we might get three or four years out of them because we know where to store them.
2: And again, that would all have been fundraised. Local communities, the local yeah. community backing you, supporting you.
7: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent.
2: I, I really don't know what the, what the answer is it just, it just doesn't it just, it just doesn't make any sense it's like we're missing something and I can't see what we're missing I don't know why the council you know weren't supporting you and helping you and getting the shed built just, just, yeah, it's, it's mind boggling
7: we're thinking along the exact same lines I mean like, they keep saying health and safety but they're giving no specific reason like this this slipway that we're our, our saddle end is next to is the only place for launching and recovering a boat in Newton Hall it's the only split. like if they want us to move they're going to have to provide a facility somewhere else before we can move because we cannot we can't like there's a 15 foot drop off the pier into the tide like it's it's physically impossible to both into the water anywhere else only in this split.
2: how long have you owned that land how long has that been in the
7: um since 2012 we've owned it Okay. yeah We've we've had a container there since
2: 1993. And you want to replace the container with...
7: Well, the the container is housing two other boats, two older boats uh, that we use during the summertime, but these are new boats, the offshore boats. Um, And, like, we looked for a shed for them before we built them. When we got planning permission, we went away and we bought our two boats thinking that we could turn around next week or the week after. This was 2015 and put up our shed and it's been dragging on since. Every time we look for a reason or... There's something different every week, but the last the last year, no, it's
2: been nothing but health and safety. Okay, as I say, we'll press the council and see if we can get anything back from them. And no doubt we'll talk again. But in the meantime, uh, gentlemen, thank you both and continue. Good luck uh, to the great rowers of Ross Rowing Club. Uh, you're 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 certainly a successful club, and long may you continue. But thank you both for joining us on the programme. Thanks Thank for Good morning to you. Mike O'Mahony, uh, club member, and there was uh, joining us was uh, Richie Brown, also a club uh, member. It just it's baffling. I was looking. Oh, I was trying to over the weekend try to look into this, try to see. You know, when you're looking at something, you think, oh, am I missing this? Am I missing a trick here? I can't understand why. Like a voluntary club like that, you know, people who give up of their time and they give endless, endless hours for the sport, in this case, it's it's rowing club. But, you know, you get them in the GAA, you get them in soccer, you get them in rugby. People who are just dedicated to the sport. And we need to. We need to. Richie is right. Or was it Mike said it? We're constantly banging on about young people getting you know, not not staying fit, not staying healthy. They're spending too much time on handheld devices. They're spending too much time on their phones. We need to get them out. We need to get them exercising. We need to get them involved in sport. Teenage years can be a difficult time to get young people. So here is a club that's getting young people involved. They have young people involved. And for the last two Sundays, young people turned up to train and couldn't train because they couldn't get access to the slipway in order to get the boats onto the sea and let them off doing their training. It's just, it's not making any sense to me. So that's why we await the council to come back and explain to us but again, it's this health and safety. It rears its ugly head, doesn't it, at every single corner. Yet for 25 years, the same rowing club have been using the slipway and they haven't had any problems at all. Suddenly now, it's at health and safety. So we await a response from Cork County Council. But they need to sit down. Somebody from Cork County Council, they need to sit down. They need to sit down with the good people of my Ross Rowing Club and sort it out for once and for all if it is health and safety what do the guys and gals at My Ross Rowing Club need to do in order to get over the health and safety issues get this shed built get the boats into the shed and get everybody back training and get everybody back rowing and get everybody in My Ross back doing what they do best which is rowing and winning competitions and can I just thank a number of people who have contacted us when I was talking about that couple who we've referred to them as John and Martha but that's not their real names Um, it was a piece that I'd read in in the Echo uh, of a couple who are using the facilities of Cork Penny Dinners and John lost his job Martha's out of work she can't work because she is suffering from severe epilepsy and they've just found themselves in dire situations and they're using Cork Penny Dinners and a lot of people were touched by the story and we got so many offers of people trying to help them and was there anything we could do to get money to them or to get shopping vouchers to them etc so I can see a number of people we're just directing people to Cork Penny Dinners because obviously they'll be aware of who who the family are and they'll be able to get whatever necessary help you want to give get on to Katrina and the lads and lasses at Cork uh, Penny Dinners but thank you I just want to acknowledge the kindness of so many of our listeners you're an incredible bunch as always now the Anne Sullivan Centre for people who are deafblind are this year celebrating their 30th anniversary And while the centre is based in Dublin, they do hold advocacy support meetings around the country, including one here in Cork. Mary O'Hearn is from Ballynow and she knows about the work of the Anne Sullivan Foundation because her son Donal is deafblind and Mary joins me on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Mary. Hi Patricia, Hi, how are you? I, I'm very well and and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose let's start at the beginning with uh, Donal. When did you discover that Donald was deafblind? I believe he had a sight loss first.
9: Yeah, I suppose it was around the age of two that we realised that Donald was, um, we, we noticed that his eyeballs, that they were maybe moving a little bit or wobbling a little bit. It, it's a condition now known as nystagmus. Nice so with that, we went to um, an eye specialist um, and she sent us further. I suppose to make a long story short, Patricia, um, she sent us further to um, an eye specialist in Dublin who decided that, yes, he was dealing with something a little bit more sinister here and that he would require um, further tests. So from that, we went to Crumlin, um and the end result was that he was diagnosed with a condition called Alstrom syndrome and part of the symptoms of Alstrom syndrome are um, visual impairment and hearing impairment.
2: And were you told that at the time, that it was a dual disability? Yeah,
9: when he was diagnosed at Alstrom, I suppose it took um, a number of years before he was actually diagnosed at Alstrom okay. we, Along the way, we were attending eye specialists and that, and I know the test revealed that it was a possibility of Alstrom, but I think that was diagnosed uh, definitively, um, around the age of ten, because at that stage he was slowly his eyesight was slowly deteriorating, and he was diagnosed then with a hearing impairment, which hadn't been diagnosed up to then, because he had perfect hearing, but his hearing went down a little. So then it was we were it was considered that it was a definite diagnosis then with other symptoms. And what what age
2: what age was he then?
9: About ten at that
2: stage. God, that's that's difficult. I mean, because he's at ten, he's already battling that he's losing his sight.
9: Yes, I would say actually at around ten, Patricia, he probably had lost the majority of his sight at that stage, um, and now he is blind at at this stage. Um, it would have been difficult for Donal at that stage because, you know, he coped with the lack of eyesight. I think he just seemed to get on with it through all the different stages but it's just when he went to um a hearing and to de- to be um to be um tested for his hearing and then on to a specialist and when they decided that he needed hearing aids
2: that was very difficult for Donald to accept at that stage because he was relying so much on the hearing as well was yeah. he was he in mainstream school at this stage and yes yeah, yeah
9: he was he was he was in primary school and coping very well, really. He was coping, and um, he was getting great support. Um I suppose he started with large print books and when they didn't help um he used technology which magnified um the letters and the sentences um for him. Um and then at around the age of ten when he was diagnosed with the hearing impairment also he was decided that he'd actually had to learn braille. So the visiting teacher Then came to the school and taught Donald Braille. So uh, from fifth class and sixth class, um, he learned Braille at that stage. Did
2: did, he pick that up quickly?
9: Picked Braille up really quickly. The teacher was absolutely delighted with him. She couldn't get over how quickly he adapted. Um, Like, Donald in general is very intelligent anyway, Patricia. But I suppose it was our fear that this was another new skill that he had to get on top of everything else that he had to deal with. Um, but actually dealt with it so well and learned it so quickly. And it's a skill that he now relies on, which is so important.
2: And me. the hearing loss, uh, Mary, uh, is he cochlear implants?
9: No, not as yet. He's coping quite well with hearing aids at the moment. He's got moderate hearing loss and is coping quite well, Patricia, at mm. the moment. Um but it is um, a progressive condition. But you know, he's doing very well at the moment, and you know, we're hoping that it may remain static.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you he, know, he where did he go to secondary school? Was that locally as well? He was in For Frome. Okay. And yeah. he's now in. Tell us about. He's in UCC.
9: He's in UCC now, um, Patricia, and doing. You know, he's doing really well. He's in his final year. He's doing applied psychology. Um. You know, very motivated himself, which is great Um, good support, very good support, the new CC. And I suppose he's more mature now and he he knows himself what he needs and he's able to ask for it now uh, along the way with education, I suppose, primary and secondary. He was depending more on us, I suppose to put forward his case if there was something wrong or he was unsure himself. Yeah, Mam- Mammy has
2: need. to Mammy has to do the fighting. <laughs>
9: yeah, and yeah. I suppose, yeah, and, and sadly, Patricia, that is what's required, you know. Um, even with all that Donal has to deal with, you do have to fight. And we did find that secondary school, um, you know, was difficult. Um, it was difficult for Donal. It was stressful for us. Um I'm not sure they were prepared themselves in this secondary school to know what they were going to be dealing with when Donald came in, but um you know there are so many things required, for example, we were dealing with um a teacher, a visiting teacher for the hearing impaired, and a visiting teacher for the visual impaired this is where I would say one teacher with the expertise in deaf blindness is what's required really.
2: But that know? goes back to the need for deaf blindness to be recognised as a unique disability which Absolutely. it is not in this country.
9: Absolutely and if we have that recognised, you know, the supports can then be requested for that unique disability but at the moment we're dealing with um, visual impairment, we're dealing with hearing impairment and, um, you know, and as you know, as people probably know, when you have a hearing impairment or you're deaf, you're compensating with the other sense. And if you're a uh, visual impairment or you're blind, you're then compensating on your hearing. But if you have, uh, uh, if you have to comp, if you can't compensate on either because you have an impairment on one or both, you know, the, the, the needs are much more complex. So, he, show you
2: so. is he yeah. is he living independent or is he still at home?
9: Oh, he's going to. College and living actually on campus.
2: Great. And that's yes. working out well for him. And
9: That's working out very well. And he has a PA and the support are good. Um, and I suppose what I would worry about now really is the next step, Patricia. I mean, we have to consider employment for Donald and hopefully... Um, we're hoping, you know, that the doors will open for him. But again, I know that will probably be um, a fight to the end. Really, that hoping that Donal will be recognised, you know, as as an intelligent and important member of the community. That he is, um, he is. Yeah. yeah. And I was only talking to Louise about um Pace because we haven't come to that stage yet. I suppose Donal, you know, we've been available to provide Donal with what's required up to now as regards, you know, attending places and dropping him here and collecting him there and now in college he has a PA and he has a note taker. But following on from this he will need a PA in order, you know, that he'll be included in society as such, like Patricia, and that he'll be independent. He won't be depending on Mammy and Daddy to take him here or there, you know, and from what I gather, you know, they're completely underfunded as regards to PAs at the moment. It depends on what HSE area you're in as to what hours you may get Um, I think if it's something like 0.3% of disabled people have access at the moment it's so difficult to get them you have to put through such a hard case Um, and I think is it an average of 42 minutes per day is what's um, available at the moment now I mean that's not good enough for a person with donors needs anyway You know to live a full um, uh, well if, and, if, if, you know, if it was
2: if it was employment that he wanted uh, yes. which is the long term goal, 42 minutes a day is of no use to him
9: Absolutely, and somebody that takes him there and if you only had to go to something simple like a meeting or to go for training for somebody that would take him there, um, you know he needs somebody for all of that and I think that became very apparent to me because I actually attended um, an and um, Syndrome um, organization over in the UK recently and I met some individuals over there who are dealing with blindness because of the same condition that Donald has and they were attending the conference with their peers. and one particular chap was telling me that um, he loves going to the gym and cycling etc and he uses his pay for that he has an entitlement of something like 18 hours per week and he thinks this isn't even enough but he has the 18 hours a week and from what I gather um Getting that here, like, is at the moment, it's so difficult. But from what I gather from um, Louise is that there has. And been Lu-
2: Louise is with the the Anne Sullivan Foundation. And Louise is yeah. with the,
9: yes, and she's for advocacy um, in Anne Sullivan Foundation. And Louise has been telling me that as recent as this week, there was a doll motion passed just this past week, you know, calling on the dolls to legislate for the right taxes for peace. So hopefully that all through
2: Please God. and you you I know you're part of the obviously working group uh, in Cork is is it good to be part of a group like that to be able to talk to to other families
9: absolutely it's it's good patricia
2: and i think it's
9: networking with other families that you learn a lot more of what's happening out there really you know i uh, it's recently I've gotten contact with the Anne Sullivan Foundation. Prior to that I was, used to be dealing with the FIAC organisation and the NCBI um, etc and I found that support, networking with other parents was was just fantastic really and I suppose I would advise all parents really to get in contact you know, and make contact with the Anne Sullivan Foundation if they do have a member of their family that has deafblindness because another thing I would say like Patricia dealing with surfaces. There are so many services to access. And, you know, nobody, there is no person to steer the ship that tells you, well, now that you have this condition, this is who you should get on
2: to. Yeah, this yeah. is what
9: you're entitled to. You have to look.
2: And find you have it. To
9: ask, find it, ask somebody else. And then, for example, in our case, um, you know, we're dealing with the NCBI and um, the Irish guide dogs. And even Louise was advising me that if you wanted to get PA support,
2: you'd actually have to get onto the Irish Wheelchair Association. That's yeah, That's where they're allocated through. Yeah. Know. you know. Okay, listen. Donal is blessed to have a mammy like you behind you. Long, long, long way you continue. Oh, um, and, and listen, pass on our best wishes to, uh, to Donal. You can be very I proud will, of, of, of proud of him. And uh, no doubt we'll talk again. But thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Lovely lady. Now. That's Mary O'Hearn from uh, Ballynoe. Uh, near Connor just giving an insight into what life is like for her and her family and in particular her son who is studying in UCC uh, as a deafblind student we wish him the best with his studies Okay, we're going to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way don't forget we have still to give away our family pass to get you to the Everyman to See Jack and the Beanstalk on Wednesday December 18th we'll do that in the next hour
4: Get weekly news event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Put more meals at breakfast Wake up with Simon Murdoch Weekday mornings on C103 Hi, Simon here All this week we've teamed up with Magical Blarney Cork's favourite Santa experience in Blarney Woolen Mills, Running from November 23rd till Christmas Eve We're giving you the chance to win a family pass to go see Santa And enjoy a festive lunch at Magical Blarney Stay listening weekday mornings from 6 for your chance to win With Magical Blarney
2: on C103
3: you're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: And I say once again thank you to the numbers of people who've contacted us with regard to the family that I was talking about who are attending Penny Dinners a couple who were referring to as John and Martha that's not their real names they've been making a daily trip to Cork at Penny Dinners while their children are attending school and they've been doing it since the children went back to school in September they have their own lunch there and then they take away dinners with them bring them home uh, in secret they don't because they don't want the children to know the struggle that the family are currently under And they are also trying to protect their children from the stigma of poverty. And John, unfortunately, lost his job. And Martha uh, had to give up work because she's suffering from severe epilepsy. So they find themselves in this situation where they're living in poverty. And they're putting every spare penny that they have. They're getting social welfare, but all their money is going in the rent. They just want to keep the roof over their heads. And a lot of people have been touched by their story. So much so that what we've decided to do, we've given Katrina Toomey a Buzz a Penny Dinners just to bring her on to the programme tomorrow. Just I'm interested in talking to Katrina about how many more John and Martha's are coming into Penny Dinners. Is she seeing in Penny Dinners? And this because it's this this is a kind of a hidden side to our homeless crisis then even though this particular couple have a roof over their head and it is the one thing going through this interview that I read in the Echo that Martha kept going on about was you know that we're we're so lucky we've got a roof over our heads thank God we've got a roof over our heads we have to keep the roof over our heads we've got three young children we have to pay the rent but you know we it's almost like she feels luckier Than other people, and that she's not in a homeless accommodation or she's not going from hotel room to hotel room. So even though she's living under this immense stress, immense stress and anxiety. It's just dreadful to be living like that. But she's thankful that they have a roof over their head. But I'm just wondering how many others like that, families like that, that Katrina is actually dealing with. And I think the other thing in her story that really touched me was this um, sense of pride, this sense of not being able to even admit to her own family how tough times are. You know, it's very possible that this woman's because she said her parents, she's hoping her parents might help out at Christmas with the for the for the toys for the children, but it's very possible that her parents, you know, might have picked up the echo and read that story, or maybe she's got siblings and nobody realizing that that particular story is about one of your own family members. So I suppose it's to talk to Katrina about that, and uh, how do you do? How do you? Get people to open up, and is is it only right that they shouldn 't have to open up if they don 't want to open up if they want to keep that to themselves we shouldn 't be forcing anybody to go and say, "Look for help and go to your family, your family will help you out because if you you know if that 's all she has left is to keep that sense of pride in herself, she may may find it very hard to go to her family and look for help anyway, just to let people know because as I say a large number of people have contacted us with offers very very kind offers of help including one listener and I won't give out her name but she's a regular she's actually a regular com- contributor to the programme by text and she was straight away in with I thought the loveliest of suggestions to say that if I could get on to the copper and find out what was their nearest super value was the shop she mentioned and she said get them to do a click and collect so let them go online order what they want to order and this lady was going to pay for it and then the couple would just go and collect it would never even know who had paid for it. I thought it was the kind of sweetest thing uh, and I said we didn't have their, their numbers. We don't have their names and we certainly don't have a telephone number. So she's instead going to send a donation on to Penny Dinners. And there's other people as well who have been on looking for the number of Penny Dinners and to see how they could donate. People are just so kind and so generous. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. You're just, you're wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, we've just got amazing people listening to this, this programme. And Liz is wondering what ages are the children because she'd like to donate as well. I don't know. I know that the eldest is 16. And I think I don't even know. I in my head have I'm thinking three, but I'm not too sure. It is mother of three, the three children of which the eldest is sixteen. So I don't know. I don't know what age the small, the smally ones are. But anyway, as I said, we'll bring Katrine, Katrina Toomey, me, the wonderful Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners. We'll bring her onto the program tomorrow and just tease this out a little bit more and just find out and just talk about the great work of Penny Dinners. And at this time of year, when people have. Are feeling a little bit more generous, and you might have an extra few Bob, and you might be thinking of a charity you'd like to donate to, maybe listen to Katrina. Tomorrow, we might we might sort that out for you, and it might be penny dinners you'd be spent in your spare your any spare bob that you have uh, this year. Now, let me move on. There was now I'm assuming that this text has come in and has been picked up from a piece we're running on the news at the moment, and it's to do with that survey that they bring out that they started to do a couple of years ago. It's anyone that was in hospital in the month of May. You get asked by the HSE to. I'm sure it's done anonymously. Nobody knows who's filled it in but they, they're asking for your hospital experience from literally if you went through A&E from the minute you set foot in A&E right through if you ended up in a trolley if you ended up in a ward or if you got admitted to a ward by a doctor for example but they're basically looking for your your hospital experience and they go through everything on it down to how doctors and nurses treated you what way they spoke to you did they explain things to you in a manner in which you could understand what was the food like in the hospital what was was it was it clean was there cleaners around how did the catering staff interact with you? And then when it came to discharge, what way were you discharged? Was there follow up? And they basically cover everything. And the whole idea of these surveys try to try to improve hospitals and to try to improve your time at a hospital. So the latest survey, it's, it's for the month of May and then they gave June into July, I think, for people to have their forms back in. And then they've, all of the information is now out and it's showing which hospitals have performed well. This improvements over the last time and what changes need to be put in place and how hospitals can get better. Now I'm assuming it was from that piece on the news that has prompted this text in from listeners listener to say, Patricia, I have accompanied a patient to two clinics at Cork University Hospital recently. The service at the Breast Orchid Centre was absolutely amazing. From the moment you entered the facility until you leave, every procedure is effected efficiently and with all of the necessary examinations, tests scans and biopsies all completed within a few hours. The patients are then given their results immediately. The odd delay may be experienced, but that could be waiting on a biopsy result. Contrast that to the gynecological clinic at CUH. They've got long delays for even routine procedures. Desperate patients deemed to be low risk have to wait weeks for tests to be scheduled and then completed. Results are only released six weeks later. It can take months until a final diagnosis is completed, causing such unnecessary anxiety and unnecessary stress. Patients at this clinic would really benefit if these delays were improved. Isn't that incredible? The two different from one clinic... That are doing their work the way it should be efficiently. You 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 arrive. You need to have tests done. We we'll get the test done. Okay, you're going to need a scan. Let's get the biopsy. Let's see how quickly we can get those results back. If the results back within hours, we'll give you the results today. Compared to the gynaecological clinic, and I'm assuming that's people going in for smears, is it? And colposcopies? Is 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 it that the type of investigations you're, you're talking about? And it does, it does give unnecessary. It's like, I think particularly with, with cervical check and everything we've gone through with cervical check, when anybody goes, when any woman, woman goes for a smear now and they're waiting, before you kind of you did your smear and you might have put it out of your head. Now I think people are getting really anxious and really, I've had more conversations with friends of mine who will talk about, did you have a smear? How long were you waiting for your smear results? We would never have had those conversations before. But I think people are worried and people are anxious because of what happened. They're fearful that the same thing could happen again. So any delays and it is unnecessary because usually it's nothing. You get the result back and everything's okay, But you've gone through the unnecessary strain and stress of lying in bed and not getting good night's sleep because you're worried what if the results are going to be bad. So, yeah, I can understand it. But then juxtapose that against the other clinic that that lady was talking about the Breast Orchid Centre and the amazing work that's going on there. Why can't all clinics operate the same way as the Breast Orchid Centre? That would be my question today. And actually when I talk about the cervical check crisis, a name that would often come to mind when you're talking about what happened there is Vicky Phelan. And coincidentally, somebody sent in a text saying, hi, Patricia, I just heard that Vicky Phelan got an award for her book. It is the best book I have ever read. It is powerful reading. She is an amazing woman. And that comes in from Eileen in Canturk, And Vicky Phelan has wrote a book called, I'm sure it's called Overcoming. It's one of those books I have on my to get to list a book i'm looking forward to uh, reading um, it's any and any reviews i've seen on it is absolutely stu- stunning i know that she picked up and i'm assuming this is the award that you are talking about She it was at the ampost irish book awards she picked up one of the top awards there so i'm assuming that's uh, the one that uh, she picked up at the was that at the weekend it was yeah oh yeah it was just at the weekend yeah she picked yes she picked up that award and well well deserved absolutely well deserved and uh, we wish vicky feeling nothing nothing but love and luck on her journey as she still battles with uh, cancer but she's in the midst of all of that to sit down and write a book. What an incredible woman. Incredible woman. And then another listener says, Morning Patricia. Did you or your listeners happen to watch Ireland's Fishes Family? Now I can put my hands up and say yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. This listener says, what is interesting to see what do others think? Are the families?" when it comes to health and safety on this programme I think there's no health and safety on this programme says a listener when you look at what the families are put through health and safety my backside that comes in from a loyal uh, listener I hadn't thought about the health and safety climbing up on the hay bales and all of that and when they're going over No. Some of the families obviously get injured and we've seen people, not minor injuries, but I'm assuming they all sign something at the start when they know. I mean, it is a fitness programme. It is Ireland's fittest Family. They are entering into what are basically assault courses. So they know what they're going into. I'm assuming the fact that it's televised the health and safety aspect, they would have to have all of the boxes ticked. Eyes dotted, T's crossed. Our, the programme would never, ever even make it on to TV. And then behind the scenes, we're only seeing what they want us to see on camera, on film. But behind the scenes, there's obviously a lot more going on. I mean, there's got to be, well, we know because every now and again, you'll see somebody might pull a muscle or do a strain, you know, sprained ankle or whatever. And there there are medics on scene all the time and there has to be there has to be they have have to be checked I mean certainly swimming through that slimy green scummy swampy thing oh I found that quite bad (laughs) I, I would find that quite bad but do they get hosed down do they the minute they come out I don't know but you know but I'm as, I'm assuming everything is done to protect the families is is what I'm trying to say so I don't think there's any breaches of health and safety because the programme would never make it uh, to, to TV if it did but I'm absolutely enjoying the, pro, the series I don't know if anybody else is watching it it's just it's on at that good time at half six on a Sunday 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 The c one. Cork Diary
3: With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
2: Donnerale Active Retirement They're holding their next uh, meeting this afternoon at 3 The guest speaker Phil Sheehan Will be giving a demonstration and a talk On Colour Me Beautiful All are very welcome And a Christmas Bazaar in aid of St John's Church in Buttovant Will be held on Sunday next in Buttovant GAA Hall and that starts at um, three o'clock. Uh, Frank McNally, writer of the popular An Irishman's Diary column in the Irish Times, will be joining journalist and author Frank Connolly and award winning poet Paul McMahon. That's um, on the spoken word, it's one of the speakeasy sessions. It's on Inskibirine.com. Tomorrow night, Tuesday, eight o'clock at the Tanyard Bar on Main Street, a stimulating night is promised, and entry f- entry fee is uh, free. A North Cork Mental Health is taking place tonight at the Aurora Charity Shop on Saint Joseph's Road in Malla. That's at half past six. Anybody interested in improving their mental health services in the local area, very welcome to attend. And Castle Lines Community Council wish to advertise that application forms for their community text alert are available at Castle Lines and Coolagown Church. And Charleville Flower and Garden Club are holding their Christmas gala demonstration tonight at eight. That's in the Charleville Park Hotel. Anne O'Hara from Nina will demonstrate, and the theme is Beautiful Christmas Time or Proceeds in a Theatre House, and local charities. This is the Court Today replay on C103 competition time we have a family pass to give away today to get you to the pantomime at the everyman jack and the beanstalk on wednesday december 18th so you must be free to go on that particular night you and it's a family of four to see jack and the beanstalk okay Here is today's question. Hello
3: boys and girls, I'm Jack and this is my ma'am, Marjorie Daw.
4: Who shall climb to the top of the beanstalk this Christmas? Go Go on, on, have have a guess. guess. Living in her tower?
3: Her pet iguana, Pascal, keeps her
4: company.
2: Okay, who's living in the tower? It is another panto... Character or character from a fairy tale. If you know the answer, get dialing 1850-333-103. Call at 10 with the right answer wins the family to Go see Jack in the Meanstalk at the Everyman on Wednesday, the 18th of December. From 6pm though, remember, because it kicks off with a VIP reception. If you want more information on the Panto, you can contact uh, info at uh, everymancork.com. okay Willie is in y'all and he joins me good afternoon to you Willie good
10: afternoon Patricia
2: now this is reacting I'm assuming to the piece that I did about uh, penny dinners is it And people going to penny dinners uh, poor families going to penny dinners for food that's right and your point is
10: food is very cheap it was never as cheap and never as cheap to live in my opinion I don't see anybody on social welfare where they can't afford to cook their own food at home, or anybody for that matter.
2: If you're paying very high rent, Willie...
10: Well, social welfare should be ta- should, t- should take that into consideration. And they should give people extra money are paying higher rent. Because you have to live before you pay the rent.
2: Yeah, and hence the reason the family we're talking about. That's what they're trying to do. That- I know,
10: that family, I think the social welfare should look after their rent. But the number one is the family should be properly fed. And they should have money to buy food and
2: cook it. See, I think what families, when they get into that tight a situation, they're prioritising things. I mean, obviously, the first thing... No, they go,
10: you don't do that. You, 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 you cook your food first. You have your food, your meals. And after that, the rest of the
2: stuff. But, yeah, but Willie, I would hear from families who say the only way they can save money is to save money on the food bill.
10: No, you don't save money on food. What are they doing with the rest of the money?
2: If they're if you're paying high rents and then you've got to make sure that the electricity bill is paid, you have got to make sure that there's heating in the house. Oh, they're all prioritised above everything else, and the only way that low income families can save is on food.
10: No, I don't agree with you.
2: I know you don't agree with me, but that's what's happening.
10: Like, social welfare is out there and they should know the cost of food, know the cost of living and the cost of accommodation and what people can afford. Uh, obviously, their rent is too high, they can't afford to pay it. And they're going to penny dinners as a result that they can't pay their mortgage. Yeah. That is wrong.
2: Thank God for penny dinners.
10: Well, food is never as cheap. I can cook a, I can cook it a dinner for four or I can cook a breakfast for 150
2: Yeah, that's if you have four euro and you have 150
10: it's number one priority with me. I'll make sure I'll have that with over an them now. Because if I have to train myself to live on nothing, I'll die, you know.
2: And your other, I I, I, I do see on the screen another issue you made that, you know, I I, I fully accept uh, people eating in um, fast food outlets. That's right. Buying, buying the wrong, so if you have money for food, spending it in the wrong places.
10: Exactly. It's, it's big time. Every place I passed yesterday all day long, I was driving it on the road. Every place is full with people eating. Now, they may be shot today, they may be going to after the supermarket today, and there's not a jingle in the purse. But yesterday it was there, like, so I yeah, think but also we eat- it- sensibly. Buy food, cook it at home. I think he'll do
2: well. Okay, the people that were in the fast food outlets yesterday, though Willie, may not be the people who are without today. Uh, there is definitely a feeling, and looking at CAO figures on what's been spent this Christmas, by God, it seems like the good times are back. The boom seems to be back. We're spending, we're spending as much this Christmas as we did back in the height of the Celtic Tiger. So the bu- so the good times are back for a lot of people, but they're not back for everyone.
10: They're back for most people. If you sit down and look at what amount of money you have to spend on a weekly basis, you have to look after yourself first. And then everything else comes along. Probably the phone is costing money, the television is costing money. There's lots of things costing money that we that we can live without. I
2: know. Cut, cut your cloth to your measure. That's what you're saying what and, and, and feed, feed yourself first alright listen thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us 1850 at uh, 333103 as I say we are going to have Katrina uh, to me from Penny Dinners uh, talk with us uh, tomorrow um, somebody else is offering toys for that family I, as I say I don't know the age I really don't know the age of the children so we'll just we'll, we'll have a further a longer chat with uh, Katrina about that family uh, before uh, somebody said Willie must never have been on the uh, dole and uh, obviously not uh, obviously not. Okay um, Anthony says, do the, the ministers actually ever praise the people running these modern day soup ki- kitchens the likes of Katrina D- Katrina Toomey of uh, Penny Dinners and also the nightly patrols, people who go out all year round helping and feeding the homeless. The next time Leah Veradker and company come down for another photo shoot, maybe they can have their lunch at Penny Dinners and see what is actually going on there and going on with ordinary Lives and that is from Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Okay, I need to take a break because uh, Annalise Drissell is going to be joining us from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. If you've got a nutritional question, you need to get it in for Annalise, please. Uh, and I'll put it on your behalf to Annalise. And you can stop calling us on our Panto competition. Let me do the answer first.
4: And the answer is Rapunzel.
2: Rapunzel, Rapunzel, Rapunzel let down your long hair. I'm Bridget Milan in Bottle Hill. Uh, good afternoon to you, Bridget, and congratulations. You have won for yourself today's family pass for a family of four to go and see Jack and the Beanstalk at the Everyman on Wednesday the 18th from 6pm. Um, and we're getting you there early because there's a VIP reception to kick it all off and you can check out more uh, info at uh, everymancork.com if you want to find out more about the uh, pantomime which runs from November 30th through until January 12th and we have one of those family passes to give away every day this week. Oh no you don't, oh yes we do. So your chance to win every day this week and don't forget 2 o'clock today you need to start counting the bells, C when those three were also and uh, we've got Christmas covered your chance to win a 500 euro all for one voucher and you've got a chance to win one today and that will leave you off on a wonderful, fantastic, festive shopping spree. Nine o'clock this morning, the bells were tolling uh, did you count how many bells were ringing? They'll ring again at two, and they'll ring again at five. What you then need to do is add them all together, and you text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win to 0862 103, 103. And remember, download the three one zero three app to your phone now, so that means you can listen at nine, two, and five wherever you are, because people will be at home. We're all going to oh, be out again. We're going to be out at two. If you've got the app on your phone, you can listen anywhere and quickly count the bells at nine, two, and five. And then don't forget to text our WhatsApp us as the answer, along with your name and address, please, to 0862 103 103. That's C103's Christmas Covered with Dennis and Mary Ryan, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived open seven days. See rines.ie.
3: Nick Richards plays Cork's Greatest Hits for your workday on C103. Bob Marley, Adele and
4: Madonna, they're what I play. Plus you on the phone. Good afternoon, Nick. calling.
2: I play what you pick. Everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears. And I
3: could be sending you to see Santa Blani I would like to bring you a very special present. What is it, Santa? Playing Cork's Greatest Hits while you work.
0: That's stamps.com. Code program.
3: Nick Richards. Weekdays from one. C103.
4: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at C103Cork. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your
2: comment. 086 Rand 103, 103 And Annalise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic uh, joining us uh, as always on a Monday. Good afternoon to Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Straight away somebody says, does Annalise work at the Hub on a Saturday, please? Do you work Saturdays? generally no No. there's
1: the odd Saturday
2: I might be here but
1: generally not on a Saturday you
2: need need your day off
1: but the shop is open is it the shop is open and and there's a lovely girl called Irene who's very, um, very nice and helpful she works I'm normally here Monday Tuesday Wednesday, Patricia okay and then Thursdays and Fridays I generally do clinics so I might be in the shop but I may be with clients so I might't be always available it's best to ring and make sure
2: okay all right let's get straight in with questions hi Annalise my 15 year old son has really bad dark purple stretch marks all over his back and waistline I oh, gotta help him he's really conscious of them and he wears a t-shirt when swimming with his school class uh, they really are extremely bad marks what treatment would you recommend and is there a vitamin tablet that perhaps he could help that would help
1: yeah well i definitely would take a vitamin c tablet um because that's very important for collagen and it is you know it's uh a, the stretching of the skin really is where the collagen has been damaged and damaged and slight scarring and then in terms of a cream he could try actually the dr dealish clare does an anti-scar cream that's wonderful it's really really good uh but another thing that's lovely too is the rose hip oil You should be able to get the rosehip oil in any health shop um, and the Dr. Dealish Clare anti-scar cream you'll probably need to buy online. But either of those for the external treatment and definitely a vitamin C tablet to improve collagen. Now, you can take collagen supplements as well, you know, if, if they're more expensive, um, but it does get the collagen directly into the body. And it does, I've seen the difference it's made to people for their skin, not now so much for stretch marks, but definitely for uh, wrinkles. So if it's giving you enough collagen to pr- improve your wrinkles, I think it should have a very good effect on stretch marks as well.
2: Okay. Um, good luck with that. And it's just an awkward age as well at 15, isn't it? It's just.
1: Well, it is. I suppose during the summer now, it would be very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I suppose in gym and things like that, it's not pleasant having to, to tug off after.
2: They gym eventually so they common. they eventually fade, don't they? They should fade. Yeah. And You
1: know what? It's quite com- It can be quite common. I think it depends on the type of skin you have as well. And always, with everything, the best is prevention. Um, so for women, you know, who are pregnant, preventing the stretch marks as opposed to treating them is far better. And there's lots of like the rose tip oil trilogy. Do a beautiful rose tip oil body oil that's wonderful for stretch marks and the will eat um brand they that's a natural black brand that you'll get in most health shops they actually do a stretch mark oil which is wonderful it really really works well so any of those any okay. of those for that for that little boy
2: um marie and cove any cure for sore eyelids sore okay eyelids.
1: so i don't know why they're sore now there's a couple of reasons they might be sore The first reason they might be sore is if you're allergic to something that might be sore and itchy, um, in which case you'd probably benefit from an antihistamine and try and find what's causing the itch. A lot of the time it's environmental. It could be dust. People would find that it's um, worse in the winter, in which case it could be mold. But antihistamines will generally sort that out. Other reasons that your eyes could be sore would be um, eyelids would be sore, could be something called blepharitis. Now, blepharitis is uh, generally treated by an antibiotic cream, but there's actually a lot of nice natural remedies for blepharitis. Sometimes blepharitis is caused by an allergy to the feces of this mite called the demodex mite. Now, the demodex mite lives on all of our skin. Um, It sounds disgusting, but it's on everybody's body. And for some people, they are allergic to the feces, and that creates the condition called blepharitis. So the best cure for that is to actually wipe the eyes with um, maybe tea tree oil wipes. There is a company called Optase. They do a wipe that's wonderful and very, very, very effective. Um, The other interesting thing as well, Patricia, is that for some people who've got rosacea, that can actually be an allergy as well to the feces from the demodex mite. So those wipes can work very well to use on the skin Um, and, you know, if if you've got rosacea, so not only are they good for the eyes, they're the eyelids, they're good for the skin. If you've got rosacea, and that's your problem, and then the other reason that you might have sore eyelid could be a sty. Now, some people are prone to getting styes, and some people never get them at all. And generally, you'll get a sty when you're run down. So the best thing to do is get a cream for the pharmacy, just to make sure that the sty doesn't become infected, and maybe take a good immune booster or a good multivitamin to give you a bit of an energy boost um if you're if you're feeling a bit run down as well.
2: <coughs> Excuse me. You okay, you've still got you still yeah, got the still hang got around that of that cough. When I
1: talked okay. yeah I know,
2: I know. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, you're all right. Um Anne contacted us to say uh, two weeks ago Annalise touched on diverticulitis and she recommended two supplements. Could she offer advice today for somebody who may not make it to the toilet unaware that they need to go. Oh, that's a dreadful place to be in
1: yeah that's really tough very very loose indeed so i think probably the same advice would apply now there is a probiotic that's made here in cork called alflex and some people find that that's very good if they've got a loose bowel um i've had good success with people who've got ibs diarrhea so you could try taking that probiotic and also the psyllium husk can be very good um a husk can bring form to a loose stool and it can also soften out a hard stool. So it can work for both if you've got diverticulitis, constipation or diarrhoea, any of those, it works well. And the idea here is that you bring a little bit of form to your stool. Now, for some people, if you've got a very loose stool like that, it could be down to medication overuse where the bacteria in the gut have been disrupted or it may be as a result of um, food intolerance where you're eating a food that's causing the diarrhoea So it might be worth looking to figure out what the cause is as well. Either of those reasons. Sorry, I'm taking a sip of water there. Oh, you're doing fine. Um, You're doing fine. Either of those reasons could be the reason that you've got a very loose tool in the first place. So I think... You know, if you try the other options, the alflorex and the psyllium and you're not getting anywhere, book to see a good nutritional therapist who will help you figure out
2: what's really causing the problem. In OK, the and, and, and get get to it from a diet point of view. This, uh, there could be something that you're eating that's just triggering it. OK, Nicola in Mallow says, uh, hi Patricia, uh, could Annalise please recommend a good turmeric and black pepper blend supplement, one that would help to aid weight loss in addition to a balanced diet and with regular exercise? Um,
1: I cannot recommend one of those for weight loss because it won't work. Okay. Yeah. So turmeric is a fantastic natural anti-inflammatory. It's very good. Now, I suppose in a roundabout way, it could work for weight loss because if your body's in a very inflammatory state, it can lead to you putting on a bit of weight because it's nearly the body's um, protective mechanism, I suppose, to make sure that if the body's in a state of distress, that it, it, it... Increases the stores in case there's going to be a shortage, and that's a very roundabout conclusion to come to. But turmeric does absolutely nothing for increasing the metabolism, so it is a great one to use if you've got arthritis or if there's a family history of cancer or Alzheimer's, and because of its role as a a very powerful natural anti-inflammatory. If you want to take something for weight loss, there's only a few things that have have any evidence behind it that work. One of them is um green tea extract now and green coffee extract would be another one in the same line. These are high in a chemical called sirtuins and sirtuins seem to increase the fat burning potential of the body. But you know what? If you got a 5 or 10% benefit from that, Patricia, on top of a healthy diet and exercise program, you'd, that would be the absolute best you could expect. The other one that's been proven to show, okay, in clinical trials is something called conjugated linoleic acid or CLA, any of those you'll get in the health shop and they do seem to help the body burn fat better as a fuel. But even simple things like um, exercise, Patricia, will increase your metabolic rate for up to even, you know, five to six hours after doing the exercise. And it doesn't have to be uh, breaking your neck exercise on a on a bike or anything like that. Even just walking on a daily basis will have long-term effects in boosting your metabolism. Um, and I think... No matter how much exercise you do, it has to come down to diet. And I have people coming to me for weight loss, Patricia, and they don't like to hear it. But if you want to lose weight, you have to go hungry. There's just, you know,
2: move there's away no from, other alternative. My line is move away from the table. Just, that's yeah. exactly, that's
1: yeah. exactly the advice. Yeah, no, yeah. And small portions. No pain, small no control. gain. But get out and exercise.
2: Yeah. Combine it with exercise and, and, and you'll, you'll you'll do fine. Absolutely,
1: and don't waste your money on expensive supplements because really they don't bring a huge benefit.
2: Hi, says another texture. I am post menopausal. My symptoms are settling now, thank God. Anything that Annalise could recommend for sweating, sometimes during the day and night, and the very odd hot flush?
1: So, probably the sweating and the hot flushes are similar. Like a lot of people will experience a feeling of heat, but they won't get the sweating. And some people get the sweating. So um, it's probably in this case, it's maybe the sweating without the feeling of heat. And I think at the base of it all, it is a hormonal imbalance. So I think sage would work well for any of those. Um, It seems to work the best for the sweats. It seems to work best for night sweats and hot flushes throughout the day. Um, So take a sage supplement or you could, if you're into your herbal teas, I love to drink sage tea, actually. I love the flavor of it. Um, drink about three or four cups of sage tea a day, or you could just buy a sage supplement and take one of those a day would do you.
2: Okay, it does work. We've we've heard a lot of people back saying yeah, that it does work, it uh, and and you can never predict how long it's going to be because it it varies from one person uh, to another. It uh,
1: does, and I had a seventy year old woman, Patricia, as a customer once who was still getting the odd hot flush. Oh,
2: don't say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> listening at the moment, of, that's a very rare case. It's a very Fair. rare oh, case. absolutely, very <laughs> rare. Question for Annalise. My girlfriend is diabetic. She's offered some cramps in her legs and stomach. Is that linked to the diabetes? Is there anything that you could recommend to stop cramping in her legs and stomach?
1: Um, well, if he had just said legs, I would think possibly because, I mean, one of the side effects of diabetes is that you can get damage to the very fine little veins and capillaries that go out to the the fingers and toes and you can get cramps and pain and numbness, cold feet because it's a circulatory issue. But the fact that she's getting cramps in her stomach, I don't think are related to diabetes at all. So there's definitely something going on there. Um, And even even the cramps between the legs and the stomach, generally if you have a cramp in your stomach, it's a digestive issue, whereas if you have cramps in your legs, it's a muscular issue. So probably the best thing to do for the legs would be to try a magnesium supplement Make sure that it's a nice, high-strength one that's either a magnesium citrate or biglycinate because the others can actually have quite a laxative effect. And take that in the evenings, probably is one of the best times to take it so it won't interfere with absorption of calcium throughout the day. And try and see, does that make any benefit to the cramps in the legs? Um, And possibly it may have a benefit for the stomach, but if not, then it's about trying to address what's happening in the stomach.
2: Okay and Margaret says Annalise just mentioned something in relation to stretch marks. Margaret thinks she heard that you mentioned collagen for wrinkles. Could you repeat it please?
1: Yeah collagen for wrinkles can be fantastic Patricia. I'm actually gone back on it now again myself. So there's a lot of different collagen supplements on the market and some of them are very expensive and some of them are not so expensive and some of them are cheap. But if you're getting a collagen supplement what you need to do for is look for something that ideally is marine collagen as opposed to bovine. Um, now, if you are buying bovine collagen, which basically comes from the boiling down of bones and hide and of, anim- of, of cows, make sure it's a European one because you do not want bones being boiled down from other countries that don't have a very strict control on the mad cow disease, you know, the BSE. Yeah. So marine collagen is very safe to take because it hasn't got that problem. And it also needs to be hydrolyzed. So that means it needs to be broken into a form that's absorbable by the body. Um, There's lots of nice supplements out there. I just have a new one that I got into stock, actually, that tastes fantastic as well. Um, It's by a company called Valens. But there's another lovely one by Golden Greens. They do a collagen complex that's also got other nice bits in it for the skin including hyaluronic acid and I have seen the benefit not only in my own skin Patricia but in customers too and it really does make a big difference. The lovely thing is that it's very good for the gut as well and also can be very good for joints for building joints so it does a few different jobs Um, and definitely I would do I'd probably do maybe three months of collagen maybe once a year and then I forget all about it and then I look at my skin and think oh God I, I need, need to do it again I need the and I'm, I'm never sorry that I've done it okay
2: yeah. listen have a good week we'll chat next Monday thanks Patricia. thank you for that that's Annalise Triselle of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballon and hi Patricia this is by text would you say hello uh, and, and and an amazing well done to Mary O'Sullivan of Kilmurray for her amazing production of Cinderella and the with the Kilmurray novelty group it was staged at Crookstown Hall over the weekend every parish should have one of her. <laughs> Take a bow. Mary O'Sullivan in Kilmire. Murray, thank you for that. I don't know who that text is from, but thank you. Uh, that's where I leave you uh, for today. Remember to stay tuned at 2 o'clock. You're counting the bells because we've got Christmas covered here at C103. You need to start counting at 2 o'clock. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you right after news at 1 until uh, till tomorrow morning at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon.
3: Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems
2: Hello this is Sean Keane
4: Hello this is Cathy Durkin Hi this is Louise Morrissey
3: Hi this is Mick Flavin
6: Hello this is Declan
3: Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103 Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish remains right here on C103 This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today show we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts, which are available through MAPS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email today at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103.